You have reached the Cherry Club. Please leave a message after the tone. So, I have to admit, I'm not an angel. I've been a female manipulator. I've been the cool girl. I've specifically R-bombed guys or left them on delivered to mess with their heads. I've given people ultimatums. And all of that plotting was a waste of my damn time. My name is Alex, and you have just joined The Cherry Club, the podcast all about being the woman of your own dreams. Before I get into this episode, I want to give a trigger warning. My podcast can be chill and heartfelt, but sometimes it contains the following topics. Sexual assault, domestic violence, toxic relationships, and eating disorders. So please take that into consideration before you listen. This episode is an introduction on how to cope with manipulation and how to filter out any toxicity in your life. I want to share an affirmation with you guys that always has helped me when it comes to toxic relationships. I think you are so brave for walking away from the things, the places, and the people that are not for you anymore, even when it's hard, even when it hurts. Hearing that really just gives me some peace of mind, and I hope it does for you as well. I think it takes tremendous courage and self-awareness to leave something toxic in your life. Sometimes we feel obligated to stay in toxic situations because we have made commitments to them. And if you're someone like me who is painfully loyal and emotionally driven, that can be really hard. So I'm proud of anyone who has left an emotionally draining relationship, a bad workplace, or a friendship that was holding you down. I think if you are genuinely not having a good time and nothing is equal or beneficial to you, then you should not feel guilty for saying goodbye. It's your life and you deserve to thrive. And if that means putting yourself first and being selfish from time to time, do it. Cause life's only getting shorter and you don't need toxic people taking advantage of all the wonderful things you have to offer. In simpler words, you are the main character, the shining star. You cannot let an irrelevant extra try and tear you down. The main characters and extras shouldn't even know one another in the first place. I want to talk about something really important that we are not taught in school and we're just left off to figure out by ourselves. Sex ed in general growing up, I mean, I went to Catholic elementary school and I remember that teachers had to be very cautious about what they taught because a lot of parents would get upset over the curriculum. I went to a public high school and shockingly, I was still being taught about abstinence and being scared off by sex rather than having a non-judgmental open discussion about it. I also hate how sex is taught alongside drugs. Combining those two in a curriculum just makes sex come off as shameful or scary, which it shouldn't really come off that way. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to be cautious. Of course you do, because there are so many different infections and you must consider consent and the dangers of certain kinks. But I just think it should be taught in a more welcoming way. Also, everything that I was taught in school was extremely heterosexual. And we all know that there are far more different types of sexualities that need to be explained to educate teenagers during their sexual awakenings. Honestly, if I could be a sex educator, I would totally vamp up the system. 
Everything I have learned about sex was not from someone I really trust, but rather from some article online or a podcast. And that's great that I was able to have those resources, but I figured out so much by myself that a lot of the time I was misled. I think a really good Netflix original is Sex Education because the show truly addresses the topic with no shame and also explains how people who are afraid to talk about sex and have not been educated about it cause more confusion and sadness to others. So, sex ed, in my opinion, is not taught properly. And when it comes to romantic relationships, really, we're told to be safe and make sure it's consensual and wear protection... But there is so much more to that. Like if I would have known the different types of toxic actions and techniques people use from gaslighting to guilt tripping, things would have gone a lot smoother for me. I probably would not have gone through a female manipulator phase. I probably would have picked up on a lot of red flags in guys earlier. I want to discuss toxic relationships and emotional manipulation that happens within friendships and relationships but more so romantic relationships. I want to list a few common manipulative behaviors and explain them in detail and why they cause stress, negative coping patterns, anxiety, and even trauma. Passive aggressive behavior and guilt tripping. If you are not able to forgive and forget, walk away from the relationship. We make mistakes and we live with them. It's hard enough for you to forgive yourself. Having someone constantly bring up the past and target your actions after you have already apologized and dealt with the problem is not okay. A true friend or a good partner will not go out of their way to make you feel bad about something that you did a long time ago and is no longer in your control. It just makes you feel constantly bad about yourself and a relationship is supposed to make you feel good about yourself. Guilt tripping causes a lot of miscommunication, so it may be hard to spot. Here are some signs that you may be being guilt tripped. They give you the silent treatment, make sarcastic or passive-aggressive remarks about the situation, roll their eyes at you. This is a big one. I'm sorry, but if anyone rolls their eyes at you, drop them. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but I just think it's so rude if it's not in a joking context. Any nasty actions like sighing or faces of disgust are just so judgmental and hurtful to witness. You don't need that in your life. You need someone to hype you up. Basically, when someone is guilt tripping you, you constantly feel like you owe them something. Like you're not doing enough. Like you're not enough. Like you're a bad person. If you ask someone for a favor and they bring up something you did from the past, they are using your guilt to get out of the things they don't want to do. Or they are making you feel vulnerable and guilty so they can get something out of you. One thing that I've picked up on is when a guy wants to hook up with me, he always puts me in kind of this vulnerable position and he always feels the need to reassure me that I'm okay. And they'll put me in this vulnerable position and I'm totally fine, but they'll make me feel vulnerable and they'll be like, Alex, you're okay. Alex, everything's okay. And it's like this constant reassurance. And it's like, they do that constant reassurance and ask if I need help. But at the same time, that's their excuse to touch me. Like that's how they make a move. They're like, 
Alex, no, you're okay. And then they like will go and touch me. And I'm like, this is making me feel not so great because I know you're only reassuring me in the hopes that I'm going to think you're some kind of savior and that you're looking out for me and then I'm going to fall for you and then I'm going to want to hook up with you. And I hate that. And when guys do this, sure, maybe it's out of good intent. Maybe they want to help you, whatever. But I didn't feel vulnerable until you started reassuring me and telling me that I was okay. They're manipulating me to make me feel that I'm not okay and all of a sudden think that I'm not okay because I'm getting this random reassurance. And then that's when I think, oh, they can touch me. They can do this to me because they're soothing me. They're helping me. No, no, you cannot touch me because I'm actually fine and I actually am okay. And you don't need to convince me that I'm not okay to touch me. Thank you. Your help, just because you help me is not an invitation for you to go and sleep with me or for you to hook up with me. Just because you give me some reassurance, you make me feel good, you make me feel okay at a party, does not mean now I'm obligated to want you. Get some game, learn how to flirt with someone instead of making them feel vulnerable. Thank you. So people will get what they want from you by making you feel vulnerable, but people will also get what they want from you by preying on your insecurities. Again, going back to the whole playing games with people and R-bombing them and this and that. Why do you R-bomb a guy or why do you R-bomb a girl for a specific duration of time? To get their attention. But when you R-bomb them, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, they're going to be thinking about me. They're going to be like, why did she R-bomb me? Why did he this? Why did he that? Why did she this? You know, like, you know that they're going to be in their head about it. The only reason you're going to be in their head is because you were rude to them, because you ignored them. And that's just so pathetic because you feel the need to be mean to get their attention. I simply think it's so transparent because I will have some guys Snapchat me in very specific durations of time. And I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Like, I know you want me to see these R-bombs and I know you want me to be like, oh my God, like, what does he think of me? Why did he R-bomb me? But I have seen this pattern so many freaking times that at this point, I'm so tired of it. If you want to get with me, you're interested in me, whatever, just tell me. Like, don't try and R-bomb me. A lot of the times in high school, guys would say really rude things to me. And I was like, okay, why? Like, I just don't understand. And that would get my attention. I would have never glanced at any of those guys if they didn't insult me. Think about the people in your life that have been mean to you, that have R-bombed you specifically, and you've gotten in your head about it. Would you have actually liked them if they didn't R-bomb you like that, if they were nice to you? Probably not because they prey on your insecurities and then you feel the need. You're like, oh, I wish they would like me. I wish they would Snapchat me normally. Okay. It's literally a mind game. And trust me because I've done it myself. I wanted to hook up with a guy and I was like, that is such a good strategy. I'm just going to R-bomb him. I'm going to mess with his head. Guess what? I hooked up with him. Easy. Bam. Got his attention. When I wanted to get with that guy, I literally thought I had no chance of getting with him. And it's pathetic because you're like, I don't think they'll like me, so I'm going to be all nonchalant and ignore them and give them minimal attention so they can like me. So if someone is preying on your insecurities and R-bombing you or ignoring you or being rude to you, that's because they have insecurities of their own and they don't think that they can get with you. Make sense? I don't know. It's something that I've read about. 
And I just think I've witnessed it myself. Not a lot of people realize that what they're doing is manipulation or that they have been a victim to manipulation because I don't think we talk about it enough. We talk about how to get someone to like you and how to this, but you need to do it in a positive way. It works like a charm, but if your relationship is based off of mind games, it's bound to be toxic and ungenuine. It's just going to give you a headache. Trust me, you don't have to manipulate anyone to like you. You will not have to manipulate your soulmate. I just feel like we don't learn about these manipulative tactics in school, so then we become manipulative or we are manipulated. So you're unaware of these red flags. You've never been in a romantic situation. You get into a relationship where someone gives you attention, but they simultaneously insult you. I don't care how many times they have complimented you, how many times they have done something special for you. The minute an insult comes out of their mouth, even if they say no offense in front of it, walk away. When someone insults you, they are praying their own insecurities onto you because no happy person will insult someone to their face. Like, you gotta be real miserable. I ended up cutting this guy off, and after a while, I stumbled on a video on my For You page and he commented hate on some random girl's body. At that moment, I was like, thank God I dumped your ass because that is so embarrassing. Like, how can you like women and simultaneously hate on their bodies? That just doesn't make any sense to me. A quote that I like is, I have no time to judge your life when I am living mine. People who judge others have no life. Like, imagine having the time of day to insult someone for no reason. Clearly, you have nothing better to do if you're going around spreading hate. So, now let's talk about gaslighting. How come a lot of you guys have a hard time giving the bare minimum, but you are smart enough to gaslight someone? That's something I will never really fully understand. Gaslighting is when someone makes you question your sanity. For example, they will do something wrong, let's say insult you or text your best friend, something risky, and you confront them, want to have a chat with them because you're upset, and all of a sudden it's either, no, I never said that, what are you talking about? Or they admit that they did it and then they're like, oh, so now I'm just such an asshole, aren't I? It can also sound like this. I know I'm such a bad person to you. You don't love me. You will never love me now. And then somehow that makes you feel bad for them and makes you question if what they did is really so bad. Basically, you begin making up excuses and changing your memory of what actually happened because they morph reality. Like, after someone gaslights you, you don't feel as if you can't trust them. You feel as if you can't trust your instincts and that you're wrong. And another thing that people say when they gaslight you, okay, well, even if I did do that, and even if I did say that, I don't remember. Yes, you do remember. You're just trying to get out of the situation. Own up to your own guilt and get the fuck out. Thank you. You did it, admit to it, and leave. Don't make me question my sanity. Now, these are just some basic and less extreme examples of psychological manipulation. It gets worse. Someone can isolate you from your family and friends by saying that you don't spend enough time with them or by saying bad stuff to you about the important people in your life. 
Once you lose your friends, it is just you and your partner, and you only have one perspective to look at. It's always this whole thing, don't kiss and tell. Don't kiss and tell your friends about your partner, and I completely disagree. Kiss and tell, and don't be afraid to tell your friends You may feel embarrassed that your partner is toxic and you want to pretend like everything is okay. And I think that is when things get really dangerous and when you start getting the most hurt. It's not only the shame that doesn't make you want to tell your loved ones about a toxic relationship, but it's also the dangers that come with abuse. I'm going to give an additional trigger warning regarding domestic abuse. When you are isolated to just you and your partner, things can go from verbal to physical abuse real fast. When things get physical, you are in danger. You want to tell your friends, but you don't want to put them in danger or risk your partner getting mad at you because you told them. You think you can run away from your partner, but you don't want to risk that because they will follow you and get mad at you for leaving. Even going to authorities sometimes won't even do the trick if there are no telltale signs of abuse and then your partner will just hurt you more because you called the police. Getting out of a toxic relationship, no matter what the extent of abuse is, is something to be extremely proud of yourself for. Love is such a vulnerable feeling, and because we are in such a soft and gushy state of mind, we often act foolish, and this unfortunately makes us give in to psychological manipulation without even realizing it. Now, when it comes to a toxic relationship, it can be one person who is toxic, or it can be both. That's why it's really important to educate yourself about it. And I think, again, we don't learn enough about toxic relationships in school And in media, a lot of toxic relationships are romanticized. For example, Kelso and Jackie from that 70s show. They're on and off. Kelso is going on cheating on Jackie all the time. Ross and Rachel from Friends. They have this whole break thing, but they're still hooking up with each other in between. Beauty and the Beast. I mean, he basically keeps Belle hostage until she falls in love with him. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo literally killed Juliet's cousin. Sleeping Beauty. She was passed out and some random prince came and started making out with her. I mean, we're used to seeing this. So how do you know you're in a toxic relationship? A good rule of thumb that I keep in mind when it comes down to relationships in my life is when I think of them, am I more upset or am I more calm and happy? If your significant other makes you cry more than they make you laugh, that's probably a sign that you need to let them go. So what is healthy love versus unhealthy love? In a healthy relationship, someone will compliment you. In an unhealthy relationship, they will criticize you. In a healthy relationship, they will forgive you. In an unhealthy relationship, they will hold grudges and guilt trip you. In a healthy relationship, you appreciate your partner. You hype them up. In an unhealthy relationship, you hate your partner, but you're addicted to them. In a healthy relationship, you respect your partner. Unhealthy relationship, you disrespect them. In a healthy relationship, you make compromises. In an unhealthy relationship, you demand. What do you do if the relationship is toxic, but you still really like them? Sometimes even though someone is awful to us, we are still clouded by our emotions. That's why it takes so much effort and self-awareness to realize that person is not the right one for you. 
we feel like we need closure or an apology from the other person. However, it can be unattainable, so you need to get closure yourself. Forgive that person yourself and simply leave them in the dust. Typically, our instant reaction is, oh, I hate my ex. I want him to see me glow up. I want him to see me thrive. Post these pictures and make him regret his whole life. And sure, that feels good in the moment, but you're still making actions with them in mind. I would always tell myself, no, I want them to see me thrive. Okay, I'll block him on Snapchat, but I'll follow him on Instagram so that he can see my posts. You can't thrive with the smallest presence of someone toxic in your life. Once they are out of sight and out of mind, that is when you thrive. Not when you're trying to make him regret his whole life. We simply don't care enough to do that. It's 100% a coping mechanism because I guess we are scared of saying goodbye permanently. But at that point, you are just being toxic to yourself. Sometimes two people can simply be toxic to one another because of their attachment styles, which is also something that we don't learn about growing up in school. I think the most important factor in a relationship is communication. If you get anxious because someone you're interested in did not respond to you in a few days, they probably aren't the right person for you. Or if someone you're interested in is texting you throughout the day and you don't like that excessive conversation, maybe they're just not the right person for you. I think everyone should know what their attachment style is before getting into anything serious. I know I'm getting very analytical about relationships, but love truly is so mysterious and makes no sense to almost everyone, so these guidelines, I guess, help. So here are the attachment styles. Secure. It is relatively easy for me to become emotionally close to others. You have no fear and you're comfortable with intimacy. Preoccupied. I want to be completely emotional and intimate with others, but I often feel that others are reluctant to get as close as I would like. Fear of separations. And this is me. I am preoccupied, which is fine because as long as I am self-aware, I know what kind of communication patterns work for me in a relationship. Dismissing. I am comfortable without close emotional relationships. Fear of intimacy and closeness. And fearful avoidant. I want emotionally close relationships, but I find it difficult to trust others completely or to depend on them. Fear of intimacy again. It's okay if you're one of these attachment styles. You just need to find someone with an attachment style that goes with yours. And I think it's really interesting because our attachment styles, in order to figure yours out, you kind of really need to dig deep down to your childhood and see the way that like your family has treated you and the communication that you've been used to and the communication that you're comfortable with. And with that comes your attachment style. I just think it's a really interesting part of psychology and it makes a lot of sense. And if you're going through a hard breakup and you're needing closure, you're needing an explanation, finding out what your attachment style is could really just help you understand why you and that other person didn't work. For example, a preoccupied, anxious person like me would not really work with an emotionally unavailable, dismissing person or a fearful and avoidant person because I'm constantly wanting that attention and reassurance. And I could work with a secure person because that person would comfort me and be like, oh, okay, like no, and would give me reassurance. 
However, could a preoccupied person be with another preoccupied person? Probably not, because both of us would be anxious as to what the heck is going on in our relationship. It's just kind of interesting to see because everyone likes attention given to them in different ounces. And I just think reading into that was really interesting. And I recommend reading up about your attachment style. So to end off this episode, I'm going to give a few music recommendations that are all related to toxic relationships. Blow Me One Last Kiss by Pink. I Love It by Icona Pop. That is a great breakup song. Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. Strong Enough by Cher. Tolerate It by Taylor Swift. Tolerate It is by far the saddest song I've heard this year. It has made me bawl my eyes out. Listen to Tolerate It by Taylor Swift. Oh my God, the lyrics, the lyrics, the lyrics are amazing. Love on the Brain by Rihanna. Happiness is a Butterfly by Lana Del Rey. Again, the lyrics in that song, outstanding. I Fucking Hate You by Tyler, the Creator. That song played in the A24 movie Waves, and it's all about their toxic relationship as well. That movie is, like, messed up, though. Oh, my God. Go watch it. It's really good. Um, You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. You Set Me Flying by Amy Winehouse. And, of course, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope whatever toxic relationship you're going through right now, just know that you're strong enough and that you're going to make it and that I'm proud of you and that I know it's hard right now, but things will get better. And eventually you'll stop thinking about that toxic person and you'll get the courage to go and lead a better life. Just on a quick end note, when you leave something toxic That's when you start learning a lot more about yourself and you start fixing your inner problems because you're not so focused on the other person. You're loving yourself more because you got out of something toxic. You just start appreciating your surroundings and noticing so many more things. So again, I wish you guys all luck and I send my love and I will see you next week.